Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex, episode 71. It's the Christmas special. Uh, I would edit in some music and things like that, but that would be too much extra work. So, <laughs> you lazy. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're not going to do that. We are still sponsored by americascardroom.com, yeah. and if you want 27% rate back from them, simply sign up for your account by clicking on any one of the adverts or banners on the oneouter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at oneouter.com, at O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R-D-O-T-C-O-M, and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash oneouter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on oneouter.com website for free and can also be downloaded via iTunes for free. Just search for the One Outer podcast. Keep your questions for Alex coming in. Email them to questions at oneouter.com. That's the best way and most preferred. If not, then tweet them or Facebook them and we will still get them read out on a future show. Alex, are you in the Christmas spirit? Are you feeling Christmassy? I'm very, I'm very, very happy, man. I'm feeling good. Uh, especially as we record this, I'm about to get off work for a couple weeks. Because, like, I mean, the coaching is work, you know what I mean? It's like, it, I, it's work I very much enjoy, but it's, it's hard, hard work. It is much harder to teach for an hour than it is to play poker for an hour. I can play poker for 10, 12 hours in a day. I, I'd probably die if I coached. For 12 hours in a day I think a lot of work is just being there yeah yeah it's the mental thing of like even when we do this show like we spend an hour I'll maybe spend you know a bit of time editing it and stuff after it but on a Thursday sometimes when I'm yeah doing other stuff I'm like oh I got we got to meet up and do that and it's just the fact even if it's 10 minutes sometimes you know right just if, some, if someone says to me Let's make it Tuesday at five o'clock. I get like a stabbing pain in my chest, you know? <laughs> it's like, I can't, it's like, I think Tim Ferriss and stuff has touched on that. He doesn't have any meetings and stuff. And a lot of it comes from my total uh, rebellion against that. You know, like, I'm lucky right. I've only ever had a full-time job for someone else. Like a, what you would class a proper job for a... Uh, a year and six months of that I was on full time sick uh, so you know so six months really only worked and even when I was there I didn't really work uh, I did the bare minimum and mucked around as much as I could and got away with what I could and found every shortcut possible so if you actually break it down it's that. like yeah. <laughs> a couple of hours in my life um, of what was actual work but yeah I just I don't know it's this yeah, could we meet up or have a chat then? And I'm like, no, can we just do yeah, it now? I call, I, 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 whenever somebody does that, I call right then. Because if I start yeah. thinking about it, yeah, I start dreading it. Because yeah. I just, I, I, that's something on the calendar. It's like, it's a, I, I remember a, 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 hearing a Canadian friend one time tell me, it was like, he, you know, his wife was like, why don't you call for somebody's uh, 
uh, is for somebody to help you with this porch, right? And he's a carpenter is really good, right? And he was like, no, because that's selling yourself into slavery. Because eventually at some point he's going to call you up for a project. You don't yeah. know when that is going to happen. You don't know when it's going to come. But whatever you're doing that day, you got to be there. And I don't want that. So I'm just going to finish this on my own. And then, by the way, it's a crappy porch. But, uh, and, like, yeah, I mean, I'm not – I don't know. Yeah, I don't like schedules. I don't. One of the things I loved most about poker when I started was just like I felt like my own man. You know what I mean? Now I got like God. I have meetings, and I have like I go to product product development conferences because you know they pay me to be there. But it's like you know because I, they they want somebody with expertise on some of this stuff, and it's like you know I'm getting paid fine. Like I'm I'm really happy financially with my life, but like. In the old days, it was like, I'm reading a good book. I'm going to spend six hours reading this book before I play today, right? And that was my prerogative. I could do that. These days, I can't remember the last time I spent six hours reading a book. You know what I mean? That used to be one of my great joys in life was just sitting around reading. And, I mean, there's something to be said for structure. But, like, I don't know. My big dream right now is uh, I I would like to play poker. Right now what I do is I play poker and I write. Uh, with like maybe during the week, like I work in poker, let's say like 45 hours a week. Right. And then like five hours will be writing. Right. And in those five hours, I get a ton done. You know, I get a lot of, you know, I get multiple strategy articles done. We have, I have strategy articles come out like weekly now on America's Carter Room's blog. I put out strategy articles weekly. Sometimes I add other ones on other sites. And I keep up a blog that a lot of people like. I keep up, you know, a lot of different things. I I do a lot of different stuff for different sites. But, like, I would love to turn that into, like, 30 hours a week of me writing and then, like, 20 hours a week of me in poker. You know what I mean? Because the writing is just so autonomous and it's so me and it's so easy. It's not easy, but it's so – if I'm having a fight with myself, I don't have to call up myself and schedule a meeting and then have to convince myself that this needs to get done. You know what I mean? I can just do it and I can burn the midnight oil and get it done, which a lot of times like right now, like uh, this will probably be out by the time you uh, hear it. But like I love doing these like battle rap videos, but like I came up with the idea of like this battle rap video should be subtitled. So for like two weeks, I'm doing it on my own. And then, like, you know, first I got to call the editor, and the editor does it. And the editor does the the film one way. That's different than the way my opponent wanted it, right? I was fine with it, and I couldn't see how he wouldn't be fine with it, which was we left my entire choke in the video, right? Well, the, ki- uh, the kid I battled is a legitimate you – know, he's a construction worker, right? And he works 60 hours a week because he's got people to support, right? So he just couldn't get a hold of me for, you know, he was free for sometimes and he called me and I didn't ca- I didn't catch it and I call him back and he was working and we just played phone tag for a couple of weeks, right? And then uh he finally sees the product when I pretty much have it finished and he's like I'm going to redo all my subtitles cuz it doesn't make sense. I'm like of course it doesn't make sense. Double entendres don't translate, right? And he's like, "Well, I'm going to find equivalents in Spanish." And then, you know, and then we get into this argument because it's like, "Okay, so your subtitles are going to have equivalents in Spanish, but mine are just going to read like an idiot." You know what yeah. I mean? And then like 
you know, and it took, but, but I'm like, but, but dude, you know what I mean? It's fine. If you want to do it, I would rather it just be a better bat battle. And like, I lost this battle anyway, so it can just be a cleaner loss. Right. And then he goes, I don't want the choke in here. I'm like, what do you mean? You don't want the choke in here. Right. You got the other guy to choke with your best round like that. That's really good. And he was like, no, it's going to make the video like really crappy to look at. You know what I mean? He's like, I don't need two minutes of you scratching your ass trying to f remember your lines. You know what I mean? Mm. And then so now we have to call the film editor again. But the film editor is working on a production project right now. So I have to do it on my spare time. Like this kind of stuff is a nightmare to me. You know what I mean? Just the constant meetings and the, we got to call the translator again to do all this stuff. And this is like, by the way, this looks like a home video. Like this, I mean, this, we, we got a professional camera, right? But it's like one angle the whole time. It's just two guys rapping at each other. I cannot imagine the logistics for like even an independent movie with like, you know, a couple cameras and a couple actors and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Right. But when you're writing, it's just yourself. Right. Or like with your project, it's it, with your stuff. Right. Barry, it's just you on your own time. Most of the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, yeah. That's the real luxury. It's not the money. You know what I mean? A lot of times I think about, like, right now I make a really good salary from what I'm doing, but there's sometimes I'm like, man, I'll go back to making not that much money if I can just play poker and chill every day. But it's like, I can't do that to my family. You know what I mean? Like, right now, you know, it, like, right now the, the salary I'm making, like, my, my wife and I's kids are going to, like, go to good schools and, like, there's never – I don't have a ton of money, but, you know, like the car breaks down. We get it fixed that day. If I went back to just playing poker, I don't know if that would happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, but it really does feel like selling your soul sometimes because you're just – you know, you, you, you're just constantly, yeah, I'll meet it this time. Yeah, I'll meet it that time. Yeah, I'll meet it this time. Jesus Christ, I have no life anymore. But to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, I'm taking a couple of weeks off. So I'm really happy about yeah. this. <laughs> and to, to turn it to guys listening as well that maybe don't like – do as much of the sort of business side of things as yourself and like I mean me I, I don't really play much at all now it's more business I do but to turn it to poker if you're playing poker professionally for a living or even semi-professionally you got to watch you don't turn it into like a full-time job like one of the, as Alex said one of the biggest benefits of playing poker is you can have a couple of days where you go I'm not playing I'm just going to go outside and do something and then, all right, you can't do that for weeks on end right. or you're not going to make any money. But you can take a couple of days off a week when you don't feel up to it or you don't think that's it's so going to. And, and, and you probably should. And But obviously, that's a great thing. And you can go, you know what, I'm going to have a, a late night tonight. I'm going to sleep in tomorrow, but I'm going to go out and put the hours in. And you've got that freedom and flexibility. Oh, you remind me you got, of some. Yeah. You've got to watch you don't create like yourself a full-time job that you hate that just becomes like, you know just a weight on your shoulders and you're like shit this is what i didn't want but i created it for myself you know no, it was i mean like okay in the early days of poker it was like a joke how little i played right like everybody would always clown me for how little i played and what they didn't see is like when i was home i would play like non-stop for three weeks but then i'd go I, i'd take off for a couple weeks to travel and like you just didn't see me playing that much on those weeks right there was a few times like uh I remember in Macau, I played a lot because I just, I spent one day walking through Macau and I felt like, okay, I've seen everything, right? And I probably should have taken the boat over to Hong Kong, but I didn't do that. And I still really regret that. But like, 
I the first couple of years when money was really good in poker, I wasn't playing that much. I was I, I saw forty different countries. I lived in four different continents. I you know, and I I, I you know, I, I would do stuff like my friend was like you know, like I remember in Germany I like spent all day at a university one day just like hanging out with those people and I went to like you know, like and then like I had uh, I went to a family dinner, like right next to where the Berlin Wall used to stand. I listened to stories about what it used to be like from like the grandparents and stuff like that. And it, it's stuff that had no monetary value. And as a kid, I used to be like, why am I doing this, dude? Like I could be making so much money if I just played all the time. Well, most of my friends who had a lot of money from that time, some of them, thank God, are doing really well. But a lot of them are not because that after seven years, they were like, I've done nothing with my life. I've just been, you know, I, I've just been, I, and furthermore, they don't have any life experience, right? And then they go into business and they don't really understand. I feel like I understand people pretty well now because I've gotten to get to know so many around the world, but like they got into business and they didn't understand, right? And it, it, it kind of like dragged them down a bit. And then there was also, you know, a lot of them just really got into drug use, which I, I, I did pretty well as well, but like, at some point, you know, I, I had built up a network of people just from my uh, tra travels and getting to know people that when I, find, when I started getting really bad into, into my addiction, they, you know, a lot of people were like, cut it out. Like, God, you look like crap. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, I, eventually I went, all right, fine. Like, and I went cold turkey. And then, you know, that, <laughs> that was a fun couple weeks and then a couple months and then a couple years, but, uh, it was, you know, uh, it, 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 I, I really look back and I'm not proud of a lot of stuff I've done in my life, but when I look back and think of like all the times I traveled and by the way, you don't need that much money to travel. You can stay in hostels. You can take buses. I took buses everywhere. I went all the way across Europe and I did not take one plane. You know, I just took every god awful train you could find yeah. in any city, like the stuff they didn't even put on, you know, you know what I mean? They didn't even put online. It was like you're literally like in the storage cabin, like sitting amongst the suitcases. And it was a blast, man. It was just awesome. And it was like, those are some of my best memories. And it was all because poker didn't, you know, they weren't like, you better be here. You have your fun in Europe, young man, but you better be here at 8 o'clock sharp on Friday, uh, Monday. You understand? And then, yeah, so get out there and enjoy this good, wild world. Yeah, start, start. I watched Fargo season two episode. Have you been watching that? <laughs> Dude, I don't watch TV. <laughs> I mean, like, Come yeah. On. I know, I know. That's such a dull some time. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's such a dull thing to say. No, I've been hearing wonderful things about Fargo. Is it, is it good? Well, there's just a line on it again. It's like you got to start being and, and less thinking. You can't do both at the same time. It's the whole power of now and being present, basically. Like, there's a lot in that, like what you say, but when you're traveling, you actually sort of live it and experience it rather than just being in your head all the time, you know? Right, right. And uh, uh, what, what was, uh, God, there's this one quote. It's like there's nothing more difficult to the busy man than, like, trying to find a life or something like that. I can't uh, – what was – let me see. 
there is nothing the busy man is less busied with than living. There is nothing harder to learn. That's Seneca. Like it was, a, <laughs> t- excuse me, that's <laughs> Timothy Ferris through Seneca. <laughs> like, but, but like, uh, Seneca. It's the way he says it as well. I'm like, I'll piss off. Seneca, okay. <laughs> he's, he's pretty good, but like that's everybody in San Francisco, like where he's from. Yeah. Like they take themselves so deadly seriously. There's nothing better than being in a San Francisco bar and there's some guy from, like, Ireland just ripping on all of them. It's like you just sit back and, like, this is the greatest day of my life because the San Francisco people are so deadly serious like that. And you start like, oh, okay, Seneca. You know what I mean? I just just took a crap. That's what we'll do. Next time you're in the state, I'm going to – we'll go to San Francisco and I'm going to, like, say – like, even Tim Ferriss, like, I really like Tim Ferriss, and I like a lot of his work and stuff, but those fucking beanie hats, I mean, come on, like, what, what fucking hippie knitted them, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that, uh, that, that beanie makes you look like a penis with a hat on. Seneca. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. should just be like Seneca. Yeah. Oh, God. Come on, Tim. You're not enough Seneca, well, you like, know? I don't know. Like, in... I, just in my circles growing up, everybody ripped on everybody all the time. And it's like, I, I think that makes you tougher for poker. And that's something I see that Americans have a real difficulty with, which is, you know, normally I, you know, I coach people up. Like I, I, I have to keep a ratio, you know what I mean? I'm trying to help. And it's like, okay, your form right here is good. You know, you got to keep this up. Form here is good. You got to keep this up. Okay, here, you got you, you to gotta fix this, right? the ratio with all over the world is like four to one, like, you know, four to one, you show them what they're doing. Right. Then you like go, no, this is not right. Right. And then four times, like show them where their form is. Right. One time you show them where it's, uh, where it's wrong with Americans. It's gotta be like 10 to one because like the, like you'll just be coaching them the way anybody else gets coached and like, they'll get hurt feelings. You know what I mean? And it just, it's funny to me because like, I'll have like a Brit and I'll be like, well, you screwed this up, didn't you? And he, I guess I did. Like he'll just laugh it off. Right. And then he learns much more rapidly. And it just, I don't know. It, it, it's something that really, and the, the nexus of this is San Francisco. Like San Francisco is like the greatest city for feeling good about yourself for doing nothing. Like those yeah. people are the world's best at like, I believe every child should have, a first class education. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's all go to the bar. Like, you know, like, yeah. let's, you know, like, it, it's done today, boys. We got it done. You know what I mean? And yeah, I always would love to. We'd occasionally get somebody from Britain or somebody, and they'd be like, oh, You think you did something, huh? Like, and then, you know, you just see them get their faces like they just smelled a pile of crap and it was just like it was like oh this is amazing right like but yeah for for some reason it was allowed when you guys did it but when i did it was like you know alex is just an asshole that's something you got to understand about him and it was like (laughs) yeah okay you know (laughs) but well well after 71 episodes i think everybody understands that now Uh, uh, what I was going to say is uh, it's Christmas time and it is you know we were, we're we're keeping it light but we will do some questions as well but I just thought there what's your favorite Christmas uh, movie? Oh Christmas movie. 
Uh, or, Miracle, or one or two or whatever. Miracle on 34th Street, I, when I was a kid, I loved. The, the original or the Attenborough one? I, I, I think I saw the remake when I was a kid. Just yeah. uh, it, it was, I, 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 I think I saw the original too at some point. Uh, what, what's that one? Uh, uh, what, what, I, I, don't, I don't even remember if I've ever watched it all the way through. Uh, God, what, what's that one? Like, the one where the guy, the one where the guy's seeing what his life would have been like if he killed himself. Uh, it, it's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. That one I always love when it comes on TV. And a Christmas story is like I don't know if you know this, but in the states, like there are TV channels that literally on Christmas Day will play that movie twelve times in a row. So like right. wherever you are in the states, like you you know you you know you start your morning like opening gifts and like you turn on the TV, it's there on like every station, and then you. You know, I love like our Christmas story. Like, has to do with a kid finally getting his gun. A gun, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, which... I watched. I watched that for the first time last Christmas, right? Yeah. I thought it was the first time, but I'm sure I watched it as a kid because a lot of it was very familiar. Yeah. You know, a lot of it was. It, it's good. It is good. It's a great. It's a great movie. And it was like, I don't know. And like, it's weird because I watched that movie now, and it was like. I remember dropping the f bomb and my mom making me. Uh, I had to. I had to have that soap in my mouth for a couple hours, right? And it was awful. It was disgusting, right? And I was thinking, like, they probably call, call that child abuse these days, right? And it was like, and I remember my mom being like, "There's starving children in China," and I was like, "I don't know if that's true anymore." Like, I've seen some pretty fat Chinese lately. You know what I mean? Listen, I love it when. When I was in Asia, right, like they just started getting fat. So you'd go over to like somebody's house and like they don't have chairs. A lot of the old traditional people, right, they have a tatami mat, right? And it, it was a Japanese national. I know that's a Japanese word, right? And like the dude was so fat he couldn't stand up from his mat, right? And I would, you know, I, I, hold on, I get up one second, right? And it was like, and I, you know, and I was trying not to laugh, right? And I was like, I don't think this was a problem before. Like, you know, yeah. they, I was like, you guys are going to have to be like Americans. I'm going to get you a real cushy chair to like get, <laughs> help your fat asses. These get guys. the box swing and shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> get, the, get the little uh, ta- towel. Oh, God. Or the, the walk-in box. The walk-in yeah. box. But yeah. by the way, like, if... Like, me and my friends, like, if anybody had a walk-in bath when we were kids, like, all we would have been doing is, like, running in and opening that door constantly and seeing if oh, yeah. fly out of it. Like, now that would probably be considered sexual abuse, you know what I mean? Oh, you ran into the room when the guy was naked. Like, just, it was like, no, we wanted to see him slip and fall and have, hopefully his nads hurt, you know, yeah. when he was done. But, like, yeah, anyway. Uh, I, I like uh, the Home Alones are obviously Oh, good. Home Alone was dope. Oh. And what was the other one? One of my favorites is Scrooge, uh, Bill Murray. Bill Murray, um, that's a, That's an excellent one. Oh, that's uh, good because that it's obviously it's Christmas Carol, but it's like modernized in the eighties, and he's like a TV executive, and it's just great. I think that film is. I usually watch that every Christmas. I really like Scrooge. Bill Murray's a legend. I heard him interviewed. He's also just a really funny dude. He's like, he, yeah. He's good. They were asking why did you do the Garfield movies, right? And uh, he was like, well, the I just got a proposal and it said uh, 
it, you know, it said like jo- Joel Cohen, right? So he thought it was the Cohen brothers, right? So <laughs> he didn't even look what the title of the movie was. He just said yes, right? And then he later found out it was another guy, and he'd already signed. So he was That's like, right, I heard something. Yeah, like and that. He, he walks in. So what am I doing? And they said the Garfield movie. And he started laughing, right? He was like, No, really, what am I doing? And they went the Garfield movie. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he said, God, that. That guy is a Timothy Ferris like uh, disciple. You know what he does? He doesn't have an agent. He just has a hotline. You call and you leave your proposal. <laughs> and if he wants to, he'll get back to you. <laughs> it's like what a legend, dude! But I know he really is. I like I, Ghostbusters are amazing as well. I kind of associate them with Christmas a bit as well. Yeah, Ghostbusters because it was always Christmassy. Yeah, yeah, and it was always like stuff like that on, and it was like back in the day, like they were like the big, you know, films that were like, oh, they'll be on at Christmas time and stuff. When, when you didn't even have like some videos and stuff. Yeah, uh, I, I, of, kid, of certain films. Kids are never going to understand that. Do you remember? Like they used to play like Scrooge around Christmas time. Like all the time, yeah. and I'm like, I, I've never seen the movie all the way through, and then finally I watch, I watch, what was it, Scrooge, Groundhog Day, Die Hard, A Christmas yeah. Carol, uh, excuse me, not A Christmas Carol, A, a, Carol, a Christmas Story, uh, Shawshank Redemption. I never saw any of those movies all the way through. I just watched a part of it all the time, right? And the movie yeah. would be like two hours and two minutes, but with their commercials, it was like seven hours and 12 minutes, <laughs> yeah. and you'd yeah. still watch it. Because there just wasn't anything better to do, you know what I mean? And then, or you'd watch it, like, between, I remember on the commercials uh, during a football game, you'd watch it, right? And it's like, kids are never going to understand that these days, right? Or just how funny it was to watch, like, when they bleeped out the cussing, you know, or they'd yeah. have to, like, change it up. Like, you friggin' egghead or something, like Robert well, De Niro. They, they, they changed that Die Hard to yippee ki Kimasavi. <laughs> Instead of motherfucker in the UK. It was like, I always remember, it was like, Yippee-ki-yay, Kimasavi. I was like, what? You know? The funniest thing is when I was a kid, they didn't even try with the edits. It was just, Yippee-ki-yay, Kimasavi. Like, there was just no intonation, no attempt. And then it became like an art form. I remember seeing Casino late at night, right? And it was like, it was just an art how, like, they changed it, right? And, like, it's you forget how it's like every line in that movie has yeah. to be edited. And then, by the way, what was it? I was at my boy Mario's house in Texas, and they had casino on. Uh, they had casino on TNT, and I was watching. I was like, they're not editing out much of this, dude. Like, it was like they can use all the s words now and stuff. And like uh, the final scene when they're beating the guys with bats, I'm like, I, I don't think they cut out much of this, dude. <laughs> like, this is. You know, my wife's watching, and she's like, is this about to get bad? I'm like, ah, oh, it's TNT. It's going to be fine, right? And then I'm, like, watching. I'm like, Jesus Christ, his brain just came out of his ear. Like, they should show that now? Like, and then, you know, it's one thing if you've been watching three hours and you're, like, prepared for it. It's another thing if you just turned it on while you were, like, making your morning smoothie in your friend's house. And it's like, oh, okay, there we go. And then, uh, yeah, there's some brain. But yeah, yeah. What what yeah, other mo- we, Christmas movie? We were talking about that yesterday. Like I was down at my brother's house and his son was there, and he's away to be six next week, and he's sitting with his dad's iPad on YouTube watching God. this. This he's watching another kid that's like eleven that's got his own YouTube channel that all he does <laughs> is like 
all he does is like unbox Lego sets and like review them. <laughs> right? Cool and like so this this, this, cool. this this five year old in Scotland is watching an eleven year old kid in America on his iPad wirelessly wow. unbox Lego sets that aren't out maybe out here yet and like reviewing them. I like sitting navigating YouTube and watching other things and stuff like that and I was just like I said to my brother I was like like I'm glad like, it's amazing technology and it is cool it's science fiction is like you say you know what I mean right but but I'm glad I didn't have that as a kid because I I still got out to play yeah, like, on yeah. my bike and run around and cause trouble and get chased by the police and yeah, go into yeah. like a ban- abandoned time. warehouse, abandoned warehouses and shoplift and, you know, and like yeah. enjoy the, like Christmas time would be like, I can't wait, I'll get some money or gift vouchers or whatever. Yeah, and then like, like boxing <laughs> day or the day after. Did you spend it on pot like I did? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I usually gambled actually. I tried uh, to like gamble. I was a gambler. I was never really a smoker. Yeah. But um, I, I would like be like, right, or, or go down, right, okay, I'm in the town and, like, the sales were on and you would buy some, buy, like, a NES game for, like, 25 quid or something. You know what I mean? It would just yeah, be... Dude. And, like, now, like, Blair said it, like, yeah, but, like, what memories are these going to, kids going to have? What Nothing. stories are they going to have Nothing. when they're, like, 25? That's you know? a really good point. They're going to reminisce on, like, shit, I've stared at a screen, you know? Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a track I love by Snow Goons called Suckers Behind Screens. And it was like, I, I love the Snow Goons because they have really socially relevant hip-hop. Yeah, you got me into them. They were yeah, good. I, they're good. They're, yeah. If you haven't heard Black Snow, too, that's like one of the most like soulful joints I've ever... It's like, it has a lot of the like hard bangers, but it has... They have this song called Suckers Behind Screens, and it's... The guy says, I'm living in the real world. It's the livest place. Like, in live... Li- like, live in hip-hop is like, you know, it's like, it's getting crazy in here. It's, it's fun. I was thinking, like, I remember as a kid, like, you know... I would be with my boys like one day and like we would be in like the bad side of town. We'd be, we'd be blazing and we'd be, you know, we'd be listening to like metal late at night, watching movies and we'd go out and like we'd go to the bowling alley and we'd be really trashing, you know, and try to, you know, like we gamble on like the arcade cabinets and then like, you know, just eat, drinking crappy beer and like, you know, we were trashed, you know what I mean? Like but bowling and then it was like the next day it was like I want to pretend to be rich so I go down to Bellevue, you know what I mean? I'd holler at this, like, Taiwanese girl who I knew was, like, real, you know, well, well off or whatever. I put on my nice clothes, and it was like, all right, I guess we're going to be wealthy today, right? We're going to pretend like we're wealthy, right? I had a little money from poker, so it was like, all right, you know, we're going to, all right, I'll take her figure skating, right, with all of her friends, right? And then, you know, it was like, it was crazy because you got to live these, like, different lives, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, it was a live place, and it was you know, you take the bus and you go to, like, a different world, you know what I mean? It's, like, something about Western Washington I've never seen written about, but, like, every city is, like, because our cities are so cut off by the woods and stuff, like, every city is, like, a different galaxy, you know what I mean? But they're all connected by buses, so it's, like, you take a bus and you're, like, in the posh part of town, I guess is what you guys would call it, and it's, like, it's completely different than if you went back to where I was, where it was, like, real working-class people, and it just you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of not so good stuff. Right. And then it was like, yeah, it was like, it was live and it was fun. And I, you know, I listened to a lot of music. I met a lot of people. I had a real good time. And it's like, I'll look back 
I look back on that now. I remember that much more than what I did last week. You know what I mean? Because last week I was just on my computer screen all, all day. And it's like, you know what I mean? You're not really doing anything, right? It doesn't matter how cool that yeah. YouTube video is. You're not going to remember it probably. Yeah. I'll look back on those that, like Facebook, Facebook memories thing, right? And it's like a year ago, it'll be a YouTube video. I was like, oh, yeah, I thought this I thought this video was crazy. And it's like, I don't remember this at all, dude. Like, this is gone from my database, man. This is gone. Yeah, these kids, I don't know. You got to get out and play in the woods, man. Make a fort. Yeah, that's it. But be safe because there's probably pedophiles in the woods. <laughs> yeah, so. I love how you guys say pedophiles. There was probably a lot of them back in the day. I just they probably just ignored it is what I'm they realizing. They were just bad at hiding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or I don't camouflage pedophile. Um <laughs> oh, there's the name stealth, for our Christmas. Stealth, stealth. Yeah, Christmas. Merry Christmas. That's an awesome. There is stealth pedophiles in the sea. That sounds stealth. like an awesome punk rock album. But yeah, let's let's. Uh, I guess we should do a question. Yeah, let's let's get to the questions. Uh, uh, by the way, guys, you have us coming in on Christmas. Don't expect a lot of strategy today. I'm sorry if I go on a digression. You know, that's the them's the breaks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This one is from Gareth, who I thought uh, the previous question on the previous show was out by. But Gareth, here's your question here. If you were thinking, I didn't send that in. Um, hi, both. Uh, a couple of questions. First question, I've been doing a lot of studying recently and I've been looking at various post-flop spots with Flopzilla but feel like it's all a bit ad hoc. Does Alex structure his studies in a certain way that will reduce the chance of me missing obvious spots? Okay. Uh, what I do essentially is I try to start with like the smallest stacks first. So like with a, with a really small stack, like what, what am I supposed to do? I'd really recommend getting Cardrunner's EV. Uh, if you want a deal on the product, write me at assassinatorcoaching at gmail.com. Uh, everybody gets really freaked out by Cardrunner's EV because it looks really technical. All it is is attaching different Flopzilla analyses together. And uh, you just got to put the bet sizes and stuff like that. It is kind of intimidating at the beginning. It really intimidated me, but uh, I'm just stupid. I never think anything is too hard. And... Uh, I, I, I should probably, I probably, I probably would have avoided a lot of really embarrassing times in my life, but uh, I, I just, you know, I went ahead and tried to figure it out, and eventually I did, and uh, it's really not that hard, and if you go to Card Runners, use promo code FREEMONTH, all capital letters, you can see there's going to be a lot of videos coming out with me using uh, Card Runners EV and showing how to use it, and then, uh, yes, uh, I, I would just start with, like, the really short stack situations, is, I, I'm embarrassed to say this. What does ad hoc mean? He used just in a sort of like um, it's just not not, not organized. Yeah, way. I, just a bit like uh, sort of like uh, you know off the cuff. By yeah, the yeah, yeah. Type of things, yeah. Well, I, I, I just haven't heard that. You, I, I guess I've heard that used before. I just never stopped and thought about it. And say, so, but yeah. Anyhow, uh, I, I would yeah. I would really. I would start with like the small stack situations and you try to come up with uh, hands that come up all the time, work big to small, right? So like one that comes up all the time is you have eight big blinds, a guy two X's from the button. What do you call with? Do you call? Should you call? And you can figure all this stuff out very simply. Those should be your introductory ideas with card runners EV, right? And then it's really cool with card runners EV because you find out whether it's profitable or not. 
And then you can change the hand or you can change the bet sizes and it takes like three seconds, right? Whereas if you were going through pen and paper, you'd have to redo the entire problem. And then if you just keep finding like you have to do something all the time, you write that down, that's what you memorize. You don't try to memorize the entire process. So one thing I found out is, is like it's almost always a right to call a 2x raise. Uh, and it's usually not right to call 2.5x raise. Like that would be a very simple one that you could start with. And then uh, after that, you move to just like C betting. When is it a profitable C bet or not? So you give people like 15x sacks. And you say like if I C bet and you only check jams or folds, uh, what, how often does this need to work? And you just kind of ramp up the complexity eventually. And then it, at some point, you're working on like triple barrel overbet jams and stuff like that. And you're finding uh, this is when it gets really addicting to me because like there's a lot of times I'll be playing live and – I'll be sitting with a bunch of guys that are supposed to be like really good. And I'll see them get to a spot where like I've studied quite a bit and I know like, Oh, you always have to do this. Right. And it's like, you're, you're pretty safe. You're pretty safe if you do this one action, right? Like you could be wrong once in a while, but it's not going to happen that often. Right. And you'll just see the pro look completely lost. And you'll realize at that second, there's no reason this guy made his money other than just stupid luck. Right. And you'll the more of those people, a lot of people get discouraged by that. Like, why can't I be you? And then and then to me, it's like, why can't it not be me? You know what I mean? If this guy could win, pretty much anybody could. You know what I mean? If this guy if they just put in the work and, you know, this guy's just feeling it way around his situations. And a lot of times he's not even right, which is what you're going to find out once you really put in the work is a lot of these guys just do. And this one for me as well, back when I was, I I was more highly regarded than I deserve back when I, I wasn't all that good when I was making a lot of my money. I just was running pretty well. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, you kind of go back and it like, you kind of save yourself from devastation by just constantly ramping up the stack sizes, playing with the ranges, you know, you try to go like, if he opens from a 15% range, can I do this? If it's a 20% range, can I do this? If it's 25%, Right. If you see that's all of his hands, if he checks back these hands, if he does that and then just the more specific you get in, like, just keep your notebook and then, you know, just kind of branch out and keep your findings. Right. And try to memorize them. OK. And the second question is in a large field to life tournament where we have a decent skill advantage, how much should we pass up marginally profitable spots to stay in? Um, you know, with short stacks, I don't think you should be passing up on pretty much anything. Just because with short stacks, it's really rare you're going to get that good of a situation. So, like, you know, if, if you're right on the cusp, by all means, go ahead and fold. But uh, uh, I, I think, like, if you know it's a, if you know something's profitable, short stack, like, 7 to 15x, you should – maybe even, like, 20x, you should probably just go with it. Uh, where I really start, like, not calling off nearly as wide is, like, when I – I don't want to call off nearly as wide with, like, 30, 35x uh, – it, because one, the chips you're calling with are worth a lot more than what you stand to gain. It's much more devastating to go from 30x to 10x than it is beneficial to go from 30x to 50x. So, I, you know, like if I'm right on, you know, if I'm on the fence about a call, I just always fold. I just, I just if I don't know what to do, I fold at that spot because, you know, it's very rare and the other thing we got to recognize is, like, if you have made money at poker, you're probably an aggressive player. Aggressive players think everybody else is aggressive when really, like, the average is just slightly below that. 
And uh, if you think it's pr- probably an okay fold, it's probably really a good fold. So I would say at about 35x, something like that. And then like 50x and higher, like if people just want to play like all in pots, like a lot of times I'm just letting it go if other people are going to let me play like much smaller pots, you know what I mean? But I, I think people like really overthink this. I think this is something you develop more as you understand the equity calcs and you work harder and you play a lot of tournaments. I don't think this is something you go in with an idea of how to do. I, I, it is kind of like managing a business. You don't want to like put everything on the line on like a thin shot. You know what I mean? Like we can all understand that, but I think, I think a lot of this, I, I think every time you got to do a call, you got to think about the context of the tournament. Like, you know, where is this going to put you in relation uh, to the standings? Like when you're going to the money, uh, how, what advantages are going to be afforded to you when you get more chips? What and back in the day, if you had a lot of chips, that was really a big deal. You pretty much a lot of your three bets and C bets would work. Now nobody really cares, so there's just not as many advantages. Nobody's intimidated by the big stack these days. So like you got to think about what advantages you're going to get if you win the pot versus how disadvantaged you're going to be if you uh, lose the pot. How far ahead do you think you are? Whether it justifies that risk. And I think the more you think about that, and the more you play, you're going to develop. Uh, you're going to develop an understanding at some point that that will really help you here. Okay, and next question is from Ali. Alex, what's the toughest hand you have ever played? I know you've played millions, but is there one or perhaps two that really stick in your mind? Say one live and one online. Would you have done anything differently or have any regrets about them to this day? Thanks, guys. Uh, like, we're talking about hands. I mean, there's a lot of difficult hands that, like, I'm proud of. You know what I mean? Like, I solved something. At the end, there was a, uh, uh, there, there's a, there's an article out there called A Tale of Two King Jacks that I did for uh, WPT Mag. You can also write me an assassin coaching if you want this. And you can see, like, the analysis I did. But essentially, in a, in a WSOP event on the river, I called with King Jack High, and I was right for my tournament life. And that was on, like, a day two, like, right near the money. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was pretty difficult. Like, you'll read in the article, like, just how, like, hard it was communitronically to count all of his hands that he possibly could have had. Uh, that was really difficult, like, mentally. Uh, that, that, but, like, yeah, that one ended in victory. So that, that one was pretty cool. As far as, like, hands I lost, uh, that, that, like, really clout, like, God, you know, I don't really spend, like, I, I'm not trying to sound like, you know, like, oh, I, mo- I look forward, I don't look backward, because you do have to look. Seneca. <laughs> Seneca. Yeah. I think that's just an end joke with us. If nobody else listens to this that listens to Tim Ferriss, people are going to be like, what are they on about? You know, but if you listen to the Tim Ferriss podcast, you'll see like 90% of these podcasts have some like little quotes like da-da-da-da, and then he does it, he finishes it by Seneca. And it gets annoying. How do people do that? With you can tell they never grew up with male friends. Like, hey, shut up! Like, you know what I mean? You you sound like a jackass. You know, like, but uh, I I I can't imagine. Like, my family would be clowning on me nonstop if I did that. But okay, like uh, like uh, hands that were, you know, like I don't look back nearly as much. 
as I should maybe, uh, hands that were super difficult. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, there, uh, I, it, there was no, actually that, that one didn't, there, it, there was one, like they showed it on the PCA coverage where I did a bluff. I do 80% of the time, which is the river comes a four flush and standard American rag throws a poking style bet out there. Right. And a lot of times that's just like, I have three of a kind. I don't want you to bluff me off my hand. I have one pair that got counterfeited. I'm trying to take this pot. And sometimes it's the nut flush, right? I've done the, I've done the combinations like a billion times. And uh, essentially, usually about 65 to 75% of the time, the guy doesn't have like the fourth nut flush or batter there, right? And a lot of times he actually checks with like the third, fourth, and fifth flush, which leaves him like two flushes and a lot of just like malarkey. And I, I raised to like one point one X the pot, right? Just because I knew Kyle Julius was a good player and he could possibly come over the top if he thought I was just making, making it up. So I put him in like an all in spot and he literally did this and like, Oh my God. Whoa. Oh my God. Whoa. Oh my God. Oh, Jesus. All right. I'm all in. You know, I was like, okay, this is the clearest not flush I've ever seen <laughs> in life. Right. And I was yeah. like in the coverage, they take that out. They put he they put me just raising, and then it's just Joe Stapleton like mocking me, right? You know, and then I was like, dude, it was much better TV to see his like, yeah, you know. But I remember right before I did that raise, something clicked in me, and I was already doing forward motion, and I I, I was like, I I followed through, right? I remember this very clearly, right? I was doing forward motion and I had the worst second of my life just thinking like, can I hold back now? Or are they going to call the tournament director? Uh-huh. And like, if they call the tournament director and they'll say he was doing forward motion and then he came back, like it's going to be much more obvious. I didn't want to make the bet. Right. And I decided to go through with it and all, and that was a huge pot in that tournament. Right. And I don't know to this day what I picked up on, right? Because I do that play all the time, right? And by the way, I overbet the pot when I have, like, the third nut flush there to, like, uh, balance, right? And uh, I just something registered in me, and I, I'm pretty sure, like, I was holding the chips. I'm pretty sure if just at that second I would have held it. But, like, I kept going because, okay, I take an antipsychotic. And uh, it works really well. Uh, I don't hear voices anymore. I don't pace around chain smoking, screaming about something somebody said six years ago anymore. But it makes me a little slower. And I, I really don't like this. And I was moving, and I kept moving right after I had the thought, and I said, well, it's in the pot now. And I, I was like, I will think about this for the rest of my life if this doesn't work. And it didn't work. Right. And I, I, the play was fine, but there was just something I, 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 I was, I never really get rattled. Like everybody talks about the last hand in that tournament where I four bet like 40 X into Zwan Lu. I never rethink that hand. I have no regrets with that hand. You can see very clearly on the video. I did not care when I jammed there. I knew that was the right play and I hold to it to this day. 
right? I, I could tell she did not want me to move all in. I didn't know that men ace queen, you know, like I didn't know it, like in right after I jammed, she looked furious. Right. Like, and, and, like, and when she saw my hand, she was like, come on. Like, why would you jam with that? And I'm like, how was I supposed to know she would be like this with a hand, right? Like, if she didn't want a three-bet call, why did she three-bet? I don't know these things, right? Like, I can only – I'm only human. I can only go, oh, I have a ton of equity versus their three-bet, oh, crap, please don't get it in range. Like, once in a while, that's ace-king, but usually that's just like, this guy's been raising a lot. I should try to take this pot. And mm-hmm. uh, But I really think about that hand with Kyle Julius a lot. Um that that hand, that's really the one that really, like, comes up to me. Uh, I can't really think of one online that was – just because I guess, like, the stakes of the tournament are so low. Uh, there was one time – there was one time I could tell a guy was raised bluffing me. And I, like – I went to three-bet back, and I three-bet – uh, th- this is something I never do, but like, I-, I was like, a friend of mine, like earlier in the day was like, oh, I think you should bet smaller when you see that, right? So for some reason, I got in the habit of doing that that day, but I see bet smaller, right? And what I didn't, why I didn't like that is because if the guy raised with my traditional see bet size, I could three bet back and then he could only like move all in, right? And then uh, he wouldn't look. It wouldn't look like he had that much fold equity. But what happened is I did this smaller size. This is at the big 162 final table. I did a smaller size. He raised. I three bet. He still had a lot of room, and he four bet jammed as a bluff. And then he showed it to me, and I turned like bottom pair into a bluff, and I folded. And I, I remember, just being especially disgusted with that hand because that was a you know I had a I had a backer at the time. And, uh, you know what I mean? Like I I was trying to listen to like their advisors and stuff like people were like, and like, I really, if I had had some, like, if I knew the stuff I knew now, I could just go like, I'm running bad, pure and simple. Like right now, like you guys are trying to fix a car that's not broken. You know what I mean? And if I just, but I didn't listen to myself and that, that really made me disgusted with, with, you know, because that, that, that hand like you know detonated me in a huge tournament like which by the way there are no big tournaments on stars anymore like for first in that tournament used to be like 50 it was like 16 or something right and then not like 16,000 isn't a lot of money but like when you consider how hard it is to get through thousands of people on poker stars it really isn't that much you know what I mean like it's a $160 buy-in with thousands of people and like, okay, here's 10 K for first. Like, I hope you like it. Like, and then or 15, but yeah, I mean, those are the ones that kind of stand out. Hey, thanks man. I appreciate it. This is a great, uh, <laughs> I feel, great end to the Christmas yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go drink myself to sleep. Again. <laughs> but yeah, it was uh no, nah, the Kyle Julius one is interesting though. I don't think I've ever talked about that publicly. I don't think I, I, I don't, I don't think of I'll be honest with you I've never really thought through it till now like it, it, like it bothered me when it happened but like this is how stupid I am I'm such a typical man I I like didn't admit what was bothering me right but like as I was telling you guys like I can remember every emotion really clearly like I just it's so weird how like in poker or like even when you're just coming up in life it's like 
you know, I went through some, uh, like, really bad times. Like, stuff, like, I can't repeat on this podcast. You know what I mean? Like, I just can't tell you some of the crap I saw. Like, it's just, like, I'll probably choke up if I start telling you guys about it, right? And then oh. I, I remember, like, just as a kid, it's like, you can't think about that. Like, you can't think about that right now. Like, t- you just got to focus on today. today. Today's about finding an apartment. And, uh, okay, you can't find an apartment. Nobody's going to give you a place. You're, uh, you're really close uh, to, you know, like, not, you know, you don't have a place to live. Like, you better figure out something. It's like, you better call up somebody and ask somebody to let you sleep on their couch right now. And it's like, you know, nobody's picking up. You know, nobody's picking up. Like, in fact, you know they're home. They're not picking it up. You know, and it's like, you know, you were there for them, but they're not there for you right now. And it's like, don't focus on that. Focus on the one person who picks up, right? That part, person who picks up, you better be mowing lawns. You better be paying them rent. Even if they don't charge you for it, you're going to be there. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you might be in this, uh, might be in this busted-ass parking lot right now, you know? <laughs> like, but you're going to be somewhere better. Right. Eventually. And it's like you get into that mode and then you like one day, you know, one day, like 10 years later, you like like own own homes and businesses and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, you like trying to communicate to your wife and you have like 10 years of training with not admitting your emotions, you know, like and like people are like, you're really pissed today. I'm not pissed today. What are you talking about? You know. Or like, we got to talk about your attitude. Jackass, what do you mean I have a bad attitude? You know, it's like, well, you're kind of proving my point, Alex, like right now. And it's like, well, you know, it's like you got to, I don't know, you, it's like training to have to like unpack your emotions at some point. You know what I mean? It's like, and then you go to therapists and they all suck. I, 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 I cannot believe how incompetent psychologists and psychotherapists are, like how wildly incompetent mental health professionals are that uh, you want to know why there's so many mass shootings. It's probably because they had to talk to these people for 20 hours at some point in their life. But yeah, uh, anyway, anyway, all right, this got real dark for Christmas. We're, we're, <laughs> we're on some bad Santa tip right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is no, there is no fucking Santa kid. Yeah. <laughs> That's an um, movie too. Yeah, that is good. All right, we're going to end it there for this year and this episode and that was it for 2015 um episode 71 i think this is we've done 71 of these and we hope to be doing lots more in 2016 keep the questions coming in for alex questions at com. alex how can people get in touch with you for private coaching and stuff if you want to hear me talk about poker and not emote about my bad childhood, write me at assassinautocoaching at gmail.com. Uh, if you got anything you want to ask, I mean, if you got anything you want to ask about the lessons, I, I, I can definitely answer most of those questions. I get all those questions. Uh, I'll definitely get back to you, let you know what's going on. And uh, be sure to sign up on twitch.tv slash the assassinato. Uh, put a fa- you know, uh, favorite that channel. And then, uh, yeah, when we uh, do our uh, deep runs, when we get deep in tournaments, you know, you can go ahead and watch that with whole cards and commentary. And uh, it's all free. If you uh, sign up for that, though, if you subscribe, you get access to all the videos for like uh, 60 days. And there's a lot of good stuff there, a lot of final tables. And uh, be sure to check out PokerHeadRush.com for all my strategy articles, blogs, uh, trip reports, battle rap videos book reviews stuff like that like just 
kind of like the poker ad rush world. Sign up for cardrunners.com at promo code uh, free month, all capital letters, to get two months access to 2,000 plus videos for just $30. Watch me break down tournaments hand by hand using all the tools we constantly talk about here. And uh, be sure to sign up for America's Card Room. Write me at assassinocoaching at gmail.com with uh, your sign in name, uh, your, uh, your screen name, your email. And uh, once we prove that you've made a deposit, I will send you a copy of You Flat Too Much, Why Pisagno is Right. That's a check raise fool. Are dissecting the dog bet for free, just as my gift to you. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's about it. Oh, follow me okay. on Twitter, at the Assassin Isle. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. No, it's okay. And, uh, yeah, everybody, thanks for listening throughout the year. Those of you that have signed up for americascardroom.com, uh, on behalf of Alex and myself, thanks very much. And just keep telling people about the show, spreading the word, keep your questions coming in. And this Christmas, watch plenty of, catch up with all the crappy films that I've suggested. And some are crap, but they're good crap. And some are really good films. So, yeah, hopefully you get time to catch up with some shows and spend time with your family and just enjoy Christmas a bit. Chill out. Crap. Stay safe, and we'll see y'all in the new year. Crap, yeah, let, crappy films and football. Get on it, everybody. Yeah, soccer for me. Soccer. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas, Christmas is one of the busiest periods for British football. Oh, really? That's, so, uh, yeah. Uh, that sounds yeah. like torture to me. But, yeah, anyway, nah, nah. It's good. I tried to watch it the other day. I don't get it. I just don't get it. I mean, I'm too – I'm sorry, man. I, I'm sorry, man. I'm just – yeah, it's a bit it's a bit cerebral for you. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, okay. it's, a, it's a boorish. <laughs> I'm a boorish American Hold'em player. Excuse me. Yeah, that's it. Uh, all right, I'm um, from myself and the classless American. Have a great, <laughs> have, a, have a great Christmas. He knows I'm joking. Yeah, stay safe, everyone, and keep your questions coming in. Merry Christmas, etc. Cheers. Cheers. Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room.